Austin full gremlin mode today, just trying to troll. I just, I love when I come in here and it basically, what do you think the percentage is that Austin's just trolling somebody with a take that he doesn't even have, like. I'd say 60%. I know. I was going to say, he barely believes his takes. <laughs> and then he waits for you to position yourself and then he just goes way more extreme. He eviscerates you. <laughs> he eviscerates me? No, more Thank me. you, Joe. I agree. Yeah. He eviscerates me. Yeah. You just, yeah, you do get pretty much bodied by him every yeah, day. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Jobo, Jobo gets killed by Mackie. Well, too nice wanna, to be mad about We want to be transparent here, JD. You know, we can talk about it. But, um... I don't, I don't think, I don't think I'm being crazy here. I think this is a totally normal take. I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about because you had eight <laughs> crazy takes before the show. We we're talking about the Leafs. I'm sorry. The Leafs are back. Okay. Yeah, see, Leafs <laughs> not being back is where I stand. No, I know. Uh, the, uh, yeah. Uh, you and all the doubters and the haters can believe that the Leafs are back. What did I say yesterday though? This is like a guaranteed win night. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You did say that. I said you, that. You also said guaranteed series win though. No, no, no. I said guaranteed <laughs> that the Leafs are going to win this game. And then I think the most Leaf outcome now is still they lose the series, but that they win the next game, and then they play really, really well on the road in Florida, but lose in six or seven. Whatever game they lose, they're going to outplay the Florida Panthers. Uh, they're going to lose in like some deflection in the last yeah, couple Yeah, they're going to outplay the Florida Panthers, and the nerds are going to give us a bunch of charts that say that the Leafs actually deserve to win this series and that it's stupid to break anything up and stupid to change anything. And if they do that, they're the dumbest team who ever did a dumb thing. And that's the way this thing's going to break down. It just yeah. it feels It feels like one of two things is going to happen now. Either they lose that way or they are all the way back and they go back and win the series <laughs> seven games, maybe let's go, I believe. <laughs> We're back. No, I, okay. I, I actually do think that they're way more alive than most teams in this situation. And this is why. And I get it. People are going to say, you're being a homer. You're being an idiot. This is so dumb. Only four teams have ever done it. And, you know, look at the LA Kings. He had feud on yesterday and he mentioned how his goaltender was, you know, Johnny Quick and he let in five goals over four games mm -hmm. and their team had one a Stanley Cup already. They had a bunch of winners who knew what it took to do it. My position is this. I don't think that the Leafs are a great hockey team. I just don't. I think again, last night, Matthews and Marners were pretty mediocre. And it's weird because, again, Marner, if you look at the stat sheet, you say, wasn't he their best player? And you go, I don't really think so. Matthews didn't really have an imprint on the game. Tavares did his absolute best, still looked slow, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Wall was solid, but really untested. One of their top defensemen had his worst game as a Maple Leaf in McCabe. And guess what? Leafs won. Leafs won. Which team has more to give, right? Like, which team is playing way above their head? The team with Bobrovsky, the goaltender that everybody had written off completely as one of the worst contracts in hockey who finally let in a softie, right? Mm -hmm. The team with a bunch of blue liners that nobody in the country knew who they were. In fact, both countries, because nobody knows who the Florida Panthers are south of the border before the series. The Leafs are not a spectacular team, but neither are the Panthers. The Panthers are worse than them. I, nothing is going to shake me in that belief. Like All this talk about Kachuk, 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 would you let guys like to go to the stats department? Jobo, would you like to tell me how many goals Kachuk has in this series? Zero. 
Yeah, you don't need to do a ton of research. I don't think that the Leafs being back in the series or being in this series is all that much about them. To me, it's a lot about the Panthers. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm sorry, I don't believe that the Panthers are all that great. Do I think that statistically probability dictates that the, the Panthers will find a way to win one of the next three games? Duh, I'm not a moron. Mm -hmm. I know how this works. I've seen sports my entire life. I'm just telling you that if there was ever a team to do it, it would be a team like Florida that does not have a history of playoff success either. A team that is likely going to still feel a bunch of pressure if they drop one more game to Toronto and all of a sudden the series is 3-2 and it feels like, oh, that's kind of normal actually. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it doesn't matter about the games before in a series if you're just down one game. Yep. And there's two elimination games to go. And Toronto is the more talented team. It's just they feel like they have more to give. Florida feels like they've already given a couple of their best punches. And I don't trust the Panthers' infrastructure, play style, blue line, goaltender, whatever you want to say, to be closing this series down in a perfect way. Mm -hmm. I don't think that they're going to have another game where they just – maybe they will. If they have another game, though, let's put it this way. If they have another game where they drastically outplay the Maple Leafs like in game three – it's going to be because Toronto's guys went to sleep again. So mm-hmm. that's the wild card here. Can the Toronto Maple Leafs... Did, did you guys hear Sheldon last night? I know Austin did because he did a really good email for me. Thank you, Austin. Good Very job nice. by you. Good email. Good email by Austin. But Keith was hammering home in the postgame last night how mm-hmm. that was the best game they played all season. You think that was the best game they played best all season? Best effort they played all Come season. On. Well, they did block a ton of shots, which they takes did. lots of guts. 21. 21 shots. Right, 21. 21. 21. Uh, <laughs> they did They did really nice in terms of their defensive structure. Yes. But that was their best game of the year. Give me a break. Come on. We all know that it wasn't. Sure. Maybe he said effort and I'm whatever. Like considering the stakes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, fine. Yeah. They definitely have played better games. They waxed Tampa in game two. Mm-hmm. That was a better game for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay. Saying that was their most complete effort, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Because he's really trying to drill home to these guys that if they can just pay attention to the little details in this series for 60 minutes, not start slow like they are used to doing, not close periods horrifically like they have been used to doing, that they could just luck their way back into this series, that they could just basically scrape by and get back into the series. Florida's this big offensive team, right? We've been talking about offensive team, offensive team, offensive team, blah, 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 blah. All their forwards are so dangerous. They didn't even test Joe Wall last night. The one goal they got was on a power play, and it was a desperation play around the net. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I think he should have stopped it. Just squeak through. Yeah, it was a leaky goal Mm -hmm. that squeaks through and barely crosses the line. What was Florida's best chance in that game outside of that moment? Can't like, remember one. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of shots. Toronto has the capability of doing this properly and getting back into the series. Anyway, I, again, I think you could find a balance of being realistic with what's going to happen. I think you can actually still judge the Leafs based on that game three and their losses from the past couple of games if they do find their way back into the series and continue to play kind of this way, which is uninspiring. Mm. This way, which is not convincing. They should, they need convincing wins over the Florida Panthers to probably change the needle when it comes to the way people feel about them right now. A lot of people in the city. Like, Truly, truly, truly. This is an entertainment product. I say this all the time with teams. 
Of course, winning a championship is the most important thing, and you do have to be smart in trying to build a hockey team. You can't just make dumb moves for the sake of making dumb moves. But ultimately, as an entertainment product, could you imagine the Leafs win another game and they just decide to run this thing back in its same iteration? They bring back Keith, they bring back Dubas, they bring back the core four, and they decide to try to adjust the pieces around them with even less money again. Yeah. And fewer assets in the coffers. And they just tell you that, Hey, if Matthew Nyes was healthy, like, no, you can't do that to people. You can't expect them to watch any of the 82 before that's for sure. You basically have to just go. Yeah. Put the tarps back on from the pandemic, (laughs) put those back (laughs) on the seats and let them play their 82 practices. If they run this thing back in, in that fashion. But I'm telling you the Florida Panthers, are just not that impressive of a team. If one group is going to do it, if one team is going to blow it, it's going to be them against a less than spectacular Toronto Maple Leafs team. I'm just just saying. They're not back. You shouldn't be ordering the rings yet. Shouldn't be hanging a banner. Shouldn't be celebrating the streets. But that tinge of optimism you feel has not really been built by your hockey team, if you're a Leafs fan. It's built on the premise that the Panthers are pretty... Mid. They're pretty, pretty, pretty <laughs> mid. Anyway, Christopher Steak, speaking of mid. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, he's great. He's great. He's great. He's a good guy. Actually, he's a really good guy. He's bringing his daughter to daycare. What a dad. What a good guy. And then jumping on to do the show. Also, inventor of the Clever app, which again, if you are involved in coaching in any way, you got kids in youth sports, highly recommend you go download a free app, K. L-E-V-R, clever app in the App Store. Two-time Stanley Cup champ. What's up, buddy? How are we doing? How are you feeling today after manifesting on the show yesterday with Mike Fuda mm-hmm. that this was going to happen? Yeah. Well, I, uh, listen, I texted you before the game. Leafs are definitely winning tonight. You replied 100%. So how close was that product that we saw that game to what you were expecting from the Leafs? Well, it, again, they had... It was by committee. It really was. I, again, this might be an unpopular take. I didn't think Marner was going with the puck. I didn't think he was going great with the it's puck. It's not an unpopular but, take. He was kind of the weirdest guy to evaluate in this entire game. Very, very weird. But what I loved was the intensity. Again, and not like he was blowing guys through the boards, but he was getting in there. He was getting physical. Yeah, he had a bunch of bad turnovers before his second assist on that one goal, but he was getting in there. And that intensity drove the bus for the team. Again, I'd like to see 3-4. I think if you got him away from Matthews and put Nylander with him, that helped 3-4 a little bit more, but we'll go there later. Mm -hmm. But the entire team had that defensive intensity all game. And again, I think Marner took a penalty when he was battling in front of the net. Sorry, a guy took a penalty on him, battling in front of the net. So those are the intangibles that end up bleeding throughout an entire team. And you see that they protected Wall really well. Mm -hmm. They did everything they had to do. They played a full 60 minutes. And like you said, the Panthers are an okay team. They got a lot of guys that are willing to battle. They live to fight another day. They don't take too much risk. And they score when they need to. But they're not, like we said at the start of the series, they're not a world-beater team. Mm -hmm. So if there's a team that could come back with skill and if they're willing to do that with that intensity game after game, they're going to make it awfully hard on the Panthers to close this out. Yeah, the the, the Leafs are going to be favored in every single game the rest of the way out. And I know some of that is just how much people are going to bet on Toronto. 
Um, but the reality is it's going to be more than a 50% chance that the Leafs win each one of these games remaining. They're just, they're the better team. The, the thing I thought about this game though, Chris is okay. I, I agree. They did play a really well-structured game. They blocked 21 shots. There was way more attention to detail, I thought, even though they did look apprehensive early and it started to feel uh, not so great as the game went on and it was still zeros. You just felt like Florida probably is pretty happy with that scenario where they just need a quick one against the backup goaltender. But that style of play, that intensity, that level of detail, that many blocked shots, how hard is that to replicate game to game? Like how hard is that going to be for this team to be able to do over the next three games? If there are three, obviously. It honestly shouldn't be that hard because if you're going to win a Stanley Cup, you're going to have to have that type of detail to your game. There's a play in the third period where it was a stretch pass to Ryan O'Reilly. And most of the time, those Leafs players would try to catch that stretch pass. I don't know if you remember watching the Carolina Devils game. Devils were horrendous. They, they played like junior hockey players, but no attention to detail. There was a stretch pass, and instead of tipping it in, Jacob Slavin gapped up on the guy, took the puck, and went the other way. But with the Leafs game, that stretch pass went to Ryan O'Reilly, and he tipped it in. He tipped it in. Where in the previous games, guys are trying to handle those pucks in hard areas, especially in the playoffs when guys are dapping up and they're hard on you and then they're turning it back at you. That's the level of detail that you need each and every shift. And it's not hard to do if you're committed to that detail, if you're committed to the process. Again, it depends on how much these guys want to do each and every shift. If you got to live and fight another day, like let's go back to that goal where everyone's blaming Matthews. Yeah, it was a horrible, try, a horrible play by him. But the level of detail to not actually get the puck out of your zone in the first place, Mm -hmm. right? These are things that you need to do in order to win a Stanley Cup. And it is not that hard to replicate if you can understand that that's what you got to do to win a Stanley Cup. Now, to find that type of um, energy each and every game is the hard piece. I also, again, don't think all their guys were out of 10. I thought Nylander was the best overall. But even their core four, yeah, whatever. Tavares was okay. He was good at times, had some good chances. I still think they got another level they can go to. They better. Dude, they better. Matthews was pretty non-existent in this game. <laughs> Let's just be I, honest. I, I think a lot of that comes down to Marner, though. Huh, okay. And and when every time he got on a shift with Nylander, Nylander dry, he, he gets in the zone a bit better. He skates a little bit better, I find, than a Marner. Obviously, Marner is a better facilitator of the puck. But right now... Nylander's going at a higher level than Marner, and every time he got on the ice with Marner or with Nylander, he had better shifts. He had a couple chances, and he just had much more going on. So, again, I, I would look to flip those two, mm-hmm. and maybe you get away from some matchups that aren't favorable to Mitch, and that would help him a little bit. But I think you got to you got to flip that up because you're right. I don't think Matthews has got to where he needs to be, not even close. And if he gets there, then this team is really rocking and rolling. Dude, the most frustrating thing for me, though, too, is, okay, there's a couple things with this. Matthews and Marner, just they they haven't really been going well together in this series, especially the, the last couple of games on the road. And that's fine. Sheldon Keefe has decided, like he has in the past, to essentially go out on his shield with his two best guys and play them together and... Blah, blah, blah. And yeah, sometimes he'll fire, even when they, you know, Marner scores the goal, it's with Ryan O'Reilly up on the wing. They, they adjust things. But I can't for the life of me understand the yarn crock on the top line thing. Like when you're talking about wow. the attention to detail and the chip and chase stuff, how many times in that game does yarn crock just not get the puck in deep, but also not carry the puck through the zone that way? And that's what it feels like to me at times is Matthews and Marner are just having a trouble 
gaining the zone and setting things up. And Marner's having a lot of those turnovers because he's trying to do it all himself there where he's either trying to gain the zone, no chip and chase like when they have with Michael Bunting. He's trying to gain the zone, guys collapse on him, and he ends up making a mistake and then firing it into a Panther and and having an offensive zone turnover. Dude, he's turning it over 35% of the time now in the offensive zone. That's pretty... I would say his first four or five entries into the offensive zone were turnovers too. I remember the one right away early in the game, but yeah, you like even in the power play, they can't enter the zone efficiently and quick. And I think I messaged you throughout the game. Like they need Nylander Mm -hmm. on the ice right now. I don't know if there's something wrong with O'Reilly or what's going on. I think he's got a real injury to his foot. Luke Fox told us he limps, he's limping in the locker room and, yeah, you just see him on the ice. He's not that slow. You know what I mean? He looks no. like he's lost a step. Yeah, and so, like, Nylander's buzzing. He's he going, and he gets zone entries like it's nothing. That's one of the hardest things to do in hockey, and you can see that Mitch and, and, and Austin have troubles at times doing that because they're going way too slow, and they're trying to pick apart the defense, especially on the power play, way too slow. They need to come with way, way, way more speed, but they're not doing that. So, again, those are, like, things that you watch throughout the game that Mitch takes it all on himself to do. And then obviously it puts more pressure on him and then the puck gets turned over and it's going the other way. Again, I just think that subtle adjustment again, to get Nylander back, whether it's at the first power play or finding ways to get him more minutes. He still only played 17 minutes last night. Mm. Did you think he played? I thought he played 25 minutes. When I looked at the game sheet at the end of the game, I was like, I think Nylander played 20. He played 17 minutes. He was their best player. Their best. He should be hitting 20. Mm -hmm. No doubt. But those are things that, you know, they like you said, he lives and dies by this sword. And these are adjustments you ask this guy to make year after year after year. Hard calls, things that you got to do. Yeah, you win one game. The team did everything they could to not let Wall get a shot. Wall had to come up big at times when he did. Mm-hmm. But those are the adjustments you're going to have to make throughout a series in order to win and to come back. And, I, again, they're, they're going to put pressure on Florida but they're going to have to utilize Nylander a lot better because I've, I've actually really liked his game a lot. I, I would just say that at least it was a step in the right direction for Nylander, and he does score a goal on a power play that was pretty fluky. I like the bounce that thing got was wild. It was like literally the hockey gods gave you an assist there. <laughs> right, okay, right. and here you go, a uh, perfect pass right to Nylander in front of the net that no one thought was coming after a power play that, yeah, you couldn't keep it in there. I think that the Panthers had already cleared it three times at that point, and Toronto just looked completely discombobulated. Got very very fortunate to have that one. Um, but yeah, at least the Nylander got more minutes and he doesn't kill penalties. So I guess some, it's hard to get him to that, that ice time. And even if you well, look at, still, even after power plays, they got to yeah. find ways to get him on penalty kills. Yeah. You got to find other creative ways to get him on. Like I, I watched how many times an offensive zone faceoffs was he not on the ice or they would put Tavares and Nylander on a defensive zone faceoff after a TV timeout. Mm-hmm. Hey, what, I, what, I what agree you with you. I agree with you. We were texting about it during the game, and yeah, I, I'd like to see him a little bit more too, bump up those minutes. I just, at least he's over the 17 minute mark. At least they're not hitting the 15. At least he saw some power play time. And yeah, with this whole uh, 11 and 7 thing, it really does feel like there's, yeah, the, they want to keep him in, and Tavares together as much as possible, essentially. Like they, they, I think that those two guys were going yesterday. They were sort of their best line consistently throughout it. I know you said Tavares was just okay. To me, I thought he was a little bit better than that. At least he, I think he maybe ended up with five shots. He drove the net a couple of times. Didn't love the move on the, you know, the breakaway. But outside of that, at least he gave you a little bit of desperation. I think it made it hard for Keefe to split those two guys up since they were actually getting kind of a secondary pushback. 
But uh, the point is well taken. But, okay, so if you're not going to put Nylander up there, if they assuming that they're going to stick with that same machination of, yeah, 16-34-91-88, who do you want to see on the top line with them? Because, I, like, I don't understand why what they're doing with the whole bunting on the third line thing. Well, I, bunting needs to go back up. Yeah. Bunting needs to go up there. And, I like, I'm not against camp going up to the third line on the wing, at yeah. center, whatever you need to do. Noel Achari can go back down. Or Noel Camp and Ryan O'Reilly, or you move, uh, you can move Marner down. These are things that you can get creative, but like you, got, you can utilize certain guys in certain roles. Like Nick Cousins is not a great hockey player. I'm sorry. He's good, but he's playing on the second line because they're basically like, Nick Cousins, all you're going to do for Sam Bennett and Matt Kachuk is back check. Mm-hmm. That is it. If you get the puck, someone probably made a mistake. Find those guys or chip it in and do your role to a T, and you will not be off this line. You're telling me David Camp can't fill that role if you're to put him up with the lineup? He's more skilled than Nick Cousins is. He can do more things than Nick Cousins. So when you're looking at guys throughout the lineup, like I think David Camp can do more higher in the lineup. Lafferty, when he was going the other game and Yarncroft wasn't going, like put Lafferty where Yarncroft is. Why can't he go up there? It's, you know, when I played with the Chicago Blackhawks, there would be some games Andrew Shaw would be on the first line, fourth line, and out of the lineup, basically, or myself, right? Mm-hmm. You had to be going at all time, or your job was in question every single shift if you're not one of the go-to guys, because they would always have Hosa and Taze, Kane, Sharp, and then they'd have a pair. Usually the first time it was me and Boland. And those other third guys would kind of rotate for whoever is firing would go into those slots. Sometimes Ben Eager would be on the first line. So, again, you've got to find guys who are going at certain times and put them into those slots. And Callie Arncroft, you're right. He's not going. He's not confident. You can see it in his game. Maybe he needs less minutes. Maybe he needs to just focus on PK and fourth line. When he figures out his game, move him back up. But if you're just handing guys things when their confidence is low, not going to go well. Yeah, it just feels like they're... It's very strange, the searching element of this with the guys like Yaron Kroc and some of the D pairings that you saw last night. And yeah, Jake McCabe had a really, really, really rough game for basically every Maple Leaf that played within the structure and seemed to be playing pretty decently. He just sort of fell apart when they decided to move him off of Brody. But I, I want to ask you about the Panthers part of this because, yeah, clearly the Leafs did a good job of taking away the middle of the ice. They were defensively responsible. They blocked 21 shots. But what adjustment would you expect to see from Florida? Because, yeah, their offense was essentially non-existent in this game. So what Florida does really well is they have that little chip. They come in with that second guy flying into the zone. They either get, you know, I mean, you watch that clip on the NHL. They either get a hit or they get the puck stopped and they create a battle down low. They use their points. They get to the net. Basically as simple as that. And they couldn't get to the net that well. I thought the, the Leafs team and boxed out really well. And I thought they actually, when they got that puck down low, the Leafs D got their cycle stopped. So basically they couldn't come up the wall. They got the puck stopped on the wall. They turned it over and got back going the other way. I think Florida is going to use the back of the net a lot better. So whether the puck goes back up to the point, you're going to see them utilize the back of the net a lot better to create a lot more confusion with the Leafs D. I don't think they did that well. That is one of their stronger parts. Sam Bennett plays really hard on the wall, down low behind the net. Matthew Kachuk, Barkov, all these guys do a great, great job below the net, and they just couldn't utilize that space for offense enough yesterday because the Leafs D-men got their cycle stopped. They didn't let them get to that point, and they transitioned it out of their zone really well. So I think that's what you're going to see, a little more simplicity to getting the puck behind the net to create offense. 
Mm. Yeah. Again, Leafs D mostly really good last night. What a play from Luke Shen to basically wow. keep. Under Hagee? Yeah, huge. Oh, my gosh. The, that was sick. Yeah. The guy, Luke. Um, but McCabe, he barely played. This is a guy who was part of their shutdown pairing. And granted, they were not exactly a shutdown pairing. A lot of dashes for him and Brody. Do you like splitting them up the way that Keith did at this point in the series? Again, a desperation play. And what happened to McCabe yesterday where he just looked like a guy that was sapped of everything that he had been bringing this team for the last two months? When guys aren't going, you can't go to them. You just got to, it's as simple as that. If he's not going, you got to go to guys in big games who are going. I don't know how long we've been saying this for, two, three, four years. If McCabe isn't going, he can't go. That's just as simple as that. But you're going to probably need him next game. And probably the next game, maybe Hall's not going or Shen's not going. So it's about just getting back into his ear and telling him, hey, we need you. You're a heck of a player. Refocus. And when your game gets back, we're going to utilize you. And that could be as soon as next game. It's just hard for me to imagine the difficulty of switching the D pairings at this point. Like, at least the forwards have been in a blender the entire series, right? And if with you're mar- 7D, though, it's always going to be in a blender. That's the yeah. problem you kind of run into with 7D because you're sitting there as a coach and you're like, well, I like I got seven guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to use kids minor hockey. Like, if, if I'm on the bench and I got too many kids, I'm like, well, geez, I got to play everyone here. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I can't play these three right now, but I have to because there's nine kids sitting here. So it's just the same thing in the NHL. There's 7D sitting there. It puts the coach in a tough st- spot to be like, hey, man, I'm sorry, you're probably not going to play an entire shift. I know they do that with a lot of the national Canadian teams when they have to carry 7D, but it puts them in that spot where they're having to put D on the ice or they feel the need, and then that kind of messes with the combos. And again, like a guy like Jake McCabe, he's probably a guy that needs 20 minutes to feel good with his game too. So if you add that 7D in, that's 7 to 10 minutes, that's cutting out a minute to two minutes of his ice time. And if that takes him out of the rhythm, that takes him away from his D pairing, that can kind of mess with the chemistry. So that's where you're kind of getting into a bit of a, a fickle situation with that seventh D. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know if they always have to utilize him, but that's that's the problem you can find yourself in. Yeah. I just, at least what they seem to be doing, though, with the 11 and 7 was you're going to have your two pairings that are pretty much consistent, the McCabe-Brody, throw Brody with the other guys a little bit extra, and then Shen and Riley are really same thing, main pairing. Every once in a while, limited shift with the other two. It was just an oddity to see it yesterday where they go, yeah, no, we're going to move away from one of our top performers, our big deadline ad, whatever, and have him essentially be one of the guys that gets, yeah, stapled to the bench for large portions of the game. And, yeah, I, I think that... Now they're going back home. They did the, this is the weird thing with hockey. They win this game. And so you figure they're just going to roll everything back the exact same way that they did against Florida. I'm just not sure if all of those decisions should be the ones that they stick with. So yeah, how is nice back by the way? We don't know. And I would assume that not, he has a concussion. It's, yeah, they, they said it wasn't positive was the only thing they got, and they ruled him out for three and four immediately. So, like, well, I, I, I'm guessing we'll get an update on that today, but I am also would be saying prediction-wise, hard to envision seeing him this quickly when they ruled him out for game threes and four just with a snap decision, right? I, I think they're back. I think they're sticking with the 11 and seven thing at this point. And I think, yeah, even... Here's one for you. If Samsonov can go... 
Do you go back to him or do you keep Wool in that? You go, you got to go with the guy who got you a win last yeah, no. game. Now, if, if it was like six, five and he was junk, if Hall was junk, yeah, you go back to Samsonov. Even though Hall gets the win, I would believe that. Yeah. But Hall, Hall did what he had to do in the two games he came in, and, and you got to go back to him. Mm. It's just so strange because I, I think Samsonov has actually played pretty well. He's the guy that he's got a contract coming up too. If you do feel as though he, you got to go back to him at some point and you bench him, I, I wonder. He's short somebody. Leash. Who, I'm telling you, sure. with Hall's short lease, if he lets it in early on in the game yeah. and Samson's ready to go, you put him back in. But Well, the fact I, that the I Leafs score only two goals a night and me, you let in one yeah. bad goal, a game might be over. It might be done, yeah. yeah. Like maybe score more than two goals one of these games. Six in a row, Chris. Six in a row where they've scored two goals. Yeah, need more jam, more guys at the net. God. <laughs> Just these guys, the team predicated on offensive stars, two goals a night. And you look around to the rest of the NHL and say, oh, well, certainly we've gone back to the, the dark ages. We've gone back to the 90s, and this is the way that hockey is again. You go, nope, uh, here's all the other teams. The winning groups scoring like five goals a game, six goals here. It's just very, very odd that they're just not able to break through. So how does Toronto truly get back into the series? Well, they're going to need a lot from everyone. That is pretty much the most basic answer you're going to get from me. Um, again, they're going to need the goaltending to be strong. They're going to need to play structure. They can't get it all back in the first shift tomorrow. Mm. So they can't take all this risk. They've done a great job to get them into this situation. Now it's not going back to not getting pucks out, not chipping pucks in and trying to get it all back in the first period tomorrow, first shift, whatever it may be. They got to stay within the structure and then pray to God that their build, their big guys start to build their game Mm -hmm. and that starts to keep the ball rolling. And then that will help them get back into the series. Again, if, if Matthews can't find his game or can't find the back of the net and if, if, you know, Marner can't continue to build off of his last game. Obviously, offensively, that helps him get a little confidence. If they can't build off that, then they're not going to win, just mm-hmm. plain and simple. But if they can keep it simple, the rest of the lineup, you know, gets them a goal here or there. You never know where the goals are going to come from. But if they can get something from the depth and they can keep it going, I think it's a good chance to get back in the series. Yeah. it's. I know that I am watching this through a Toronto lens, and I already said my piece on Florida but it just they the Panthers do feel weirdly vulnerable here for a team that was up 3-0, right? Like this does not feel like your traditional the series is over lights out moment for a team. Am I being crazy with that? No, I I mean we've yeah. said it from day 1 that we don't think that the Panthers are a great great team. I think they're mm-hmm. a good team. They make it hard on you. They play physical. They have a lot of guys willing to do certain things that guys on other teams aren't willing to do. Mm-hmm. So you know, are they vulnerable from a skill factor? Yeah, they don't have as much skill as the Toronto Maple Leafs. They didn't have as much skill as the Boston Bruins, and even though the Boston Bruins were banged up and didn't really have everyone firing on all cylinders. But they have a will and a determination to make the game hard on you. They do it, like I said, through simple things, chipping it in, holding pucks, getting it to the D, getting it back, hoping for tips, hoping for sticks, and then the odd power play here or there. So mm-hmm. they're a team that is basically what you see is what you get. And then they also hope a, a guy like Gudas goes out and drills you from behind when the whistle's gone and praise your team gets hurt, kind of like in the previous series, too. I don't know how Camp was cleared to come back in the game because he looked if Gudis out. doesn't get suspended, it's wild. Mm. Wild. You think he so? needs to be suspended. 100%. I'm not even kidding. Is he even getting a call? He, he won't even get a call, but this guy is dangerous. Yeah. 
like throughout the game, just like folding guys from behind the the wit. Like he targeted camps from the yeah. blue line. Yeah, it's and clearly charged. charging. Yeah, it's, it's clearly, clearly charging. charging. Yeah. And the whistle gone. He and he didn't hold up at all. You're telling me he didn't hear that whistle? He didn't hold up at all. He blindsided him with a charge. And I mean, after the whistle, I, I don't know what else to say. Kale McCarr got one or what two games. Mm-hmm. Again, the puck was in the stand. A little bit different of a situation, but still, mm-hmm. whistle had gone, and he folded him up. You can't do that. Yeah, I, I numerous times throughout the game, he was doing dumb stuff. He, that's what he does, though. That's what he's there to do, right? He's there to make you think twice. And yeah, I thought it was charging. It's clearly a penalty. I don't know how they missed it. When I was watching it live, I thought that's so dumb that he just blew their power play opportunity with that hit. And then I was, yeah, pretty blown away. I would have blown a gasket. I yeah. would have blown a complete gasket. That there, said, I, yeah. I was a little bit more forgiving of the whistle part of it, where I'm like, they blew the whistle and he's already full stride heading towards him like that. I'm like, what, where, yeah, where's he going to go? And he's Radko Gudis. I don't, <laughs> I think he's going to, he's going to play that card of I'm, I'm playing on the edge and I'm going to take this hit. It was clearly charging though. There's one video, there's one angle of it where I, he's got like six strides, man. He's so far away when he's looking at camp and he's just barreling them down and good for camp for coming back in that game because he's been important to the Leafs and, Guy battled. But, it, yes, it absolutely should have been a penalty. I don't think it's going to be uh, a call from the league. And even if it is, ooh, the $5,000 fine, the maximum yeah. allowable. Yeah. Boy, that really keeps guys in check in the league, huh? They're really, like, how many times yeah. did you No more see, Cheerios in the morning. I was going to say, how many $5,000 dinners do you think you had in your career? I don't know. Yeah, you. enough. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Dradko Gudis is worried about the 5K fine. Okay, actually, before you go, this is the one non-Leafs question. What do you think happens with Petrangelo for the slash on Dreisaitl's hands? Well, again, you're 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 going into is it a is it a suspension? Probably. You think it's going to be? I don't think it will be. Just uh. like look, go back to Radko Gudis. Mm-hmm. Like what what is? And then you know Kale McCarr. Like I thought that was bad. It wasn't horrible though. Bunting got three games, and then Bunting Bennett gets, gets nothing. Games. Yeah, and Bennett gets like Bennett full up cross check the guy in the neck and he gets a fine and then he power drives the guy and a guy and who's been Sam. suspended multiple times by the way in Sam Bennett. So it's like it's honestly they've been horrible at the mm-hmm. NHL for these calls. Like I, I don't there's no consistency to it because if you're looking at that, let's go back again Gudas last night, that has to be a suspendable play, a charge from the blue line after the whistle. I, I don't know what else can kill a guy besides that. It could literally kill a guy. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I would assume Camp, when he heard the whistle, he let up a slight. Even though it's 0. .5, 0. .1, 0. .0, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you still let up when you hear the whistle. And he got folded, completely mm-hmm. folded. So, Petrangelo, I don't know. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Could be. Should yeah. be. But I, I don't know. You know, I, I was joking yesterday about how every time there's the NBA or NHL lottery, there's always a piece that someone gets has to write where they go, quote-unquote, behind the scenes, and they see the ping-pong balls go in, and everyone goes, see, it's not rigged because I was there. I was the journalist who went behind the scenes and saw that it wasn't rigged, even though pretty clearly the NHL rigged it for Chicago to get Bedard. Chicago, baby. Yes, oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were never letting him go to Phoenix. <laughs> you think that was going to happen? They're gonna no, should there. they? Yeah. Are you of course me? not. Of course, buddy. I was so down. I If they told me, hey, they're going to rig this for Chicago before and you've got to keep the secret, otherwise we're going to give them to the Ducks, I would have gone, yeah, don't worry. I'll keep this till the day I die. <laughs> Just let yeah. him go to Chicago. It's totally fine. Um but I don't know why we don't get the piece of someone that's embedded in the par- Department of Player Safety for a month 
and just watches how these guys work because it just seems like such a gong show <laughs> week in week Complete out gong show. what are they doing it just makes no sense and i just it 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 throws you into conspiracy theory land in a serious way because some stuff is adjudicated so strangely that you have no choice but to go there. There's no rhyme or reason. So you go, okay, well, clearly someone has a grudge against some guy that's on this team and they're trying to stick it to them and pair. Because I I don't, like, you want me to believe that this is some kind of high accountability. These guys really are, they're so prestigious and they have no bias and they, they are, they don't care who's involved in, of course, there's something at play here. This is relationship business and, I don't think Peros is immune to that. And yes, I got to say, I used to defend them a little bit because I would say it's an extremely hard job to do because of the way hockey is played. But at this is point, it that hard? well, that's the is thing. It, I, it is not it's not that this hard. hard. That's it, what I mean. It's, it's not as not hard as they're making hard. it look. That's, that's where I was going with it is it's, it's not this. I said the other day, they, they treat it like it's cracking the atom. And I was like, guys, it's not that, you know, it's you got slow motion replay. Yeah. You got every type of angle. You can look at things now. You have the understanding of, you know, technology takes it to a whole different level. So it's not that hard. Yeah. It, it's, it's not that hard. You can do this. You can't do this. Mm-hmm. That's it. You can't charge a guy after the whistle. Yeah. That's it. I don't know. Fold him from the blind side. Yeah, if he has the puck and he's uninspecting, still, it's still a charge. But mm-hmm. you know what? They're still charging for suspensions in the, in the book. So it's not that hard. Yeah. Georgie's got to wake up. I played with Georgie. Great guy. Wake up. Yeah. Well, he could be a great guy. He's terrible at this job. <laughs> he's really well, he's really not good at this job. Uh, Chris Versteeg, again, go download the Clever app. If you're either a coach or you got kids in minor sports, I promise you this app will end up helping you out. It's free in the App Store. Go check it out. Download it today. Uh, two-time Stanley Cup champ. Thanks, Chris. Talk to you soon, buddy. You take care. Yeah, see you, pal. Uh, okay, so... Quick break. Let's come back. Lots going on tonight. Sportsnet 590. The fan. All right. I got the busiest couple of days coming up. As this, There was part of me that was hoping the Leafs were just going to lose. So, Well, I said either lose tonight or don't or win it all because I don't have the patience for anything in between. And nobody wants it in the city. I don't want anyone to go through this. And it's it's hilarious how badly people want this team to be a winner. That's why it's so annoying when people go, Toronto's so negative and the weather vein and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Guys, don't support your team. You, you quit on them when they lose. They're down 3-0. Of course, everyone's going to be upset about it. But the, people are so desperate for a winner here and want to like this team so badly and want to run so badly and got a taste of it in the last round, Mm -hmm. that I think most of you were like me going, why can't they come back down 3-1? Why not us? You know, one of those. Yeah. But I've got my mom coming to town for Mother's Day weekend, right? Mm -hmm. Taking her to two games, Saturday, Sunday, Blue Jays game. She likes the Jays. Taking her to the games. Nice. My brother's here too. He gets in tonight. Going to Blink-182 tonight. Nice. Pretty sweet. Austin's making faces behind the glass because he played. I should have played Blink 182 in. Yeah, you should have. <laughs> Obviously, you should have. Duh. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, instead, you played Grunge, 
which you you sneaky love grunge. You play a lot of grunge, Austin. It's like you're 26 years old. He does. I don't even know where you get this from, your musical taste sometimes. I go, where are you? I mean, Pearl Jam and Nirvana are timeless, J.D. I'm not okay. sure where this sudden hate of 90s Seattle rock is coming from. <laughs> it's not a hate. Well, first it. of all, first of all, as someone who watches every single Seattle Seahawks game, there's nothing every commercial break. And the Seahawks in Seattle. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's always that. That's been my whole life is I've heard that song bumpered in Fox Sports my entire life. That's all I've ever gotten. They're like, you know Seattle? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Every time, man. No, I I am a little sick of it. I will be honest. We'll, we'll move on to the early 2000s uh, pop punk here. Yeah. Anything. Uh, just, yeah. All right. So Blink-182 tonight. Very excited. I, I got, I was thinking about this this morning on the train. How... Uh, one of my favorite things ever when I first moved here, truly mm-hmm. something that I, I, I cherish very, very deeply is walking through at the time ACC, like Union Station and seeing the people who were going to Guns N' Roses dressed up like Guns N' Roses. And then the stories after of all these people getting into fights <laughs> at these shows and it would crack me up just the visual of some guy in the drunk tank and <laughs> he's just calling the babysitter going, I got into another fight at the Guns N' Roses show. <laughs> I'm going to be a bit late He's tonight. calling his wife in uh, Oshawa and he's just like, hey, baby, I, you're not going to believe what happened. It wasn't my fault. She's like, oh my God, are again? you dressed like Slash again fighting <laughs> in your 40s? Yeah, I am. And you'd see these guys dressed up this way and you would go, man, this has got to be one of the lamest things ever. But also funny and I kind of respect it. But here I am now going to Blink-182 and I, I've i seen pictures of what they look like now, obviously. Right. Travis Barker's pretty timeless. Just mm-hmm. looks good still. And, and I'm pretty sure he had a health scare and still he looks good. Just phenomenally cool guy. You cover yourself in that many tattoos though. It's hard... I imagine it's harder to see the aging and you just always kind of look perennially young if you're going to wear a cutoff and have your whole head tattooed, right? Mm -hmm. But I know what this is now and I considered I was trying to think about wearing, you know, t-shirt, long sleeve shirt underneath. Oh, you should do it. Oh, dude, I was looking for stuff. I I couldn't find certain things. I'm not a hoarder. I, I, That's good. <laughs> well, I, I move when you move a bunch of times and you're younger, you start to just lose things. But I was, I was taking sure. a look around for that. But I realized that I'm now becoming that. What are you becoming? The slash and oh. Axel people. You mm. don't go to that full degree. People don't dress up like the members of Blink 182. Right. But I was thinking, man, I'd like to dress up a little bit here for the nostalgia factor. I know, and it's just... Did you hear your brother take headshots of you? He's not coming with me to the show. Oh, he's not coming with you. No, no, no. He hit me with the, I've already seen them. I was like, okay, fine. Stay <laughs> oh, home. Oh, together. No, no, no. I'll see him after. I think you missed Joe's with. joke there, though. You guys got to go do headshots together, you too, the as joke. well. Yes. I, by the way... Well done, Joe. The funniest Thanks, thing man. ever was Joe sharing in our group chat, yeah, a no, guy that, that sent him a screenshot where he was like, my dad's a photographer. Yeah. And Joe truly Shout tried... Them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Joe really tried to use that. Like, it's, uh, it's okay to do that. It's Jobo's birthday today, by the way. It is. Hey, happy birthday, Jobo. Happy birthday, Joe. Joe. Thank you. Hey, Appreciate you thought it. I forgot, did you, no, little no, Joe? No. You thought I forgot. You I thought did not. every, I, I pulled the, 
the dugout move after the guy hits his first home run, right? Silent Just treatment. Silent treatment before the show. Didn't want to give him anything. But yes, young Jobo is now what, 23? 23. Wow. What I would give for <laughs> your youth. That's actually the real thing that's happening here is like the Silicon Valley guys that do the blood cycling. You guys know what that is? I do not. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, this is rich dudes. They take the blood of the youth. <laughs> put it in their body. And they put it in their body. They cycle me. it in. And that's what, why you're actually here. <laughs> so I'm just, you got hired for blood. <laughs> that's, just, that's the reason. I'm just for, a tool in the yeah, corner. Man, I'm going to cycle your blood through my body like those cheat uh, cyclists, like, like Lance turn. Armstrong. That's the blood doping that those guys do. <laughs> just check your IPO levels out. Yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly right. But yes, happy birthday, young Jobo. Important you, part of it. our show, obviously, a huge part of our show. Uh, how, Hey, I'll just tell you a quick story for those of you that about Joe, when I first met Joe, it was at his college. I went to go speak to his class and I crushed it. Obviously, um, you know, inspired the youths. (laughs) Everyone was completely captivated. Standing ovation. Pretty much. I dunked on one kid who tried to challenge me. That was really fun. That was actually so fun. People forget (laughs) when they come at me with this stuff that I do this for a living every single day. And there is a, yeah, there are weight classes to this. And that was fun watching a student try to come at me and go, would you like to engage in this debate? And me going, I would like to crush you in front of all your classmates. That's for sure. But young Joe is a good example of taking initiative because I go to this class and I do these speeches with these classes from time to time. And it's fun. I actually really enjoy it because I care about young people in the industry moving forward and it being better than when I entered it, you know, and just, Hey, how can you try to navigate a really difficult space, which is making the transition from school to a job and taking the actual practical application of this thing. Mm -hmm. And you, Joe, Josiah Bosch came up to me after the thing was done and started actually asking me questions, asked the minute of my time, asked if I would check out your graphic design work, asked if you would, I would look over some of your work and whether or not I could find time for that and whether you could get help. You did that, you introduced yourself, you showed some guts, you showed some initiative and you hit me up right away. You sent me some DMs with some of your work. Obviously I didn't get around to it right away, but then you followed up and I checked some of it out and guess what? I saw that Joe's work is really, really good. Thank High you. level stuff. But you. you know what else you do? And I say- <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't have headshots at the time. I did not. He didn't have headshots at the time. Had That's I known about the ones. headshot thing, had he had actually his Instagram picture from now, I'd have been like, there's no way <laughs> I'm hiring this guy. Uh, but he also did the other thing, which is work in the shadows. The actual work, he already was doing it. No one was telling him to do graphic design work. No one was telling him to make these videos. A lot of the stuff that he showed me was not school assignments. And you would not believe the amount of kids that ask me for advice or whatever and do that stuff. And then I go, what kind of work do you have? Do you have a podcast? Or they do one podcast recording and they want me to go listen to it. And I'm going, no, this will ruin my life. (laughs) If I hear how bad your podcast is, the first iteration of it, I might retire because you were allowed to do what I did. I might have to just quit, hang them up, throw sneakers over the power lines and just walk out and go work as like, I don't know, a gas station attendant somewhere. I don't know what else to do. But yes, for those of you that are interested in this business, it's hard, it's grind, but Mm -hmm. anything creative, you have to be doing work alone. You can't just be doing stuff that people tell you to do. Mm -hmm. If you're one of those types of people, you're probably not going to make it in a creative industry. And two is that 
Yes, show some initiative and introduce yourself to people. Don't bombard them like Joe has gotten way too comfortable on the show where he's just like, here's all my opinions. It's like, oh, my God, <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> but show a little bit of initiative with people. So happy birthday, young Joe. Bo. Thank you. Appreciate now, it. tonight, Best Bets brought to you by Botano Sportsbook, my favorite sportsbook, the only sportsbook that I'm using right now, the 2022 Global Global. Global, global sports betting operator of the year. I actually want to read a text that my brother sent me yesterday because he got into Ontario. And this is just like a, this is a true ad. This is a real thing for the show. I actually have to scroll through a million text messages from him about how much he hates Anthony Davis because he missed by a point on a prop. Uh, scroll, 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 scroll. There's a lot of hating Anthony Davis for leaving that game last night. Uh, oh my God. There's so many texts from him yesterday. This is, this guy was completely unhinged. Oh yeah. Here it is. Quote. So happy. We're a Botano family. Now their basketball prop options are completely unmatched. Incredible. After he sent me a screenshot of the stuff. That's not, that's a real thing. So anyway, when I tell people to get on Botano and I'm like, Hey, if you sports bet, you should try this book and you should reach out to me and hit me up. I'm telling you for a reason. Mm -hmm. This is a very, very, very good book. There's a million different options, and there's also early payouts. It's just, yeah, it's the best sports book that I've ever used. Yes. So, anyways, as for my best bet, cash money yesterday. We're back. We're all the way back, baby. Blue Jays, first five under, not even a sweat. You could have even teased it down. You're welcome, listeners of the show. You're welcome, people, you know, that ride my back to so many wins. I like the Carolina Hurricanes tonight, just to close it out. I think that they're at home. Jersey's just, they're children, and it's fine. They'll be back. But I think that Jersey showed themselves the last game they played. Mm -hmm. That was a shutdown. I think they're going to sleep. Here's what I envision. They have some push early on in the game. They get shut down. Carolina ends up winning the game. That was Best Bats brought to you by Botanical Sportsbook. Hit me up at it, J.D. Bunkus, anytime. We will see you tomorrow.